Hello, Chelsea friends. Welcome to the London is Calling podcast. I am your host, Carlito, and it is my distinct pleasure to introduce our newest guest. He is the executive producer and an on-air talent for the biggest sports show in the country, The Levitard Show. He also produces numerous podcasts within that show's universe. And most pertinently, when it comes to the subject matter of this interview, he hosts the only Chelsea Football Club-sanctioned podcast, Chelsea's Mic'd Up. So that quite literally makes him an employee of the club. Ladies and gentlemen, the most talented producer in sports media, Mike Ryan Ruiz. How are you, Mike? Well, thank you so much for the intro. I, I must make a correction. I'm not quite literally an employee of the club, as I have Roman Abramovich signing my checks, but indirectly, let's just say, an employee of the club. You know what? If someone asked me, I would just lie and say I know Roman personally. I texted him this morning. I got to see him once, though, which is uh, more than most can say. More than literally anybody in media can say. The guy does zero interviews, especially not in English. That's awesome. I can't believe that shit. Um, all right, so Mike, thank you for joining me this morning. You got a, you have a show to do in about 45 minutes, so we're going we're gonna to make this nice and snappy. So here's my first question. All right, I like to call Chelsea the Death Star, and I like to call Roman Abramovich the Darth Vader of football. Uh, he's a personal hero of mine. We seem to get it from all angles at all times, in the media, from FIFA, from opposing fans, and everywhere else in between. Okay, with the most recent issues Chelsea has faced, Roman not being allowed back in the country, FIFA accusing us of over 150 allegations of improperly signing youth players, uh, two-thirds of which they could not prove. Uh, the clear and obvious anti-Chelsea sentiment campaign from people like, you know, Stevie Nichol last year against Mauricio Sarri, uh, and then obviously not being able to sign anybody for two windows, VAR never going our, our way, all that shit. I have to say, is this transfer window Roman and Marina getting their revenge because it seems like we're targeting all the best youth players in the world. And it seems almost like they're going to do anything to piss off the rest of the European football community. I really don't think that look, it's fun for us to say that this is revenge and I must make a correction on something that you said, you said FIFA wasn't able to prove the allegations. Uh, that That's true. Cass said that they were just unfounded. Okay. Uh, not only were these, not true that Chelsea was completely innocent. Um, really? Yeah, the Chelsea. Yeah, they they didn't get off on a technicality. Remember, for the the transfer ban to be upheld, which because of Chelsea's inaction in the most recent transfer window, mm. it actually ended up being a two window punishment. But remember, for Chelsea to serve that punishment, only one of the allegations needed to stick. None of them did. Chelsea was not only found not guilty, but innocent of those allegations. So, yeah, I, I do think it, it feels like revenge, but really this is the fruits of many years later. This was the club getting a plan in place, knowing that um, they had budget for a, a time spending. And now this comes at a very advantageous time for the club because of their not spending through the last two windows. We already know Ziyech and Werner. Um, even though Werner hasn't been officially announced as, a, as of this recording. Yeah. That's happening. And Chelsea are now poised to be really the only club in world football to be spending. And you can't even accuse them of um, breaking FIFA fi financial fair play rules because as of right now, their books are balanced with the sales of Bakayoko, Murata, 
Um, and Hazard, uh, just to name a few. And we'll see, maybe even FIFA suspends financial fair play. And that would even help Chelsea out even more. So Chelsea are in a very advantageous spot right now. Timo Werner apparently was sold on a three-year plan in which Chelsea would be actually spending money, not scaling back in a time where everyone else is scaling back. And if they're spending money, it's because they're selling a player. Yeah, and it's so incredible with the NHS, how much we helped them out with not one, but two of our hotels. We kept everybody that's on that's a permanent staff member on salary, as well as we treated every person that works during the games. We treated it as if those games were still going on with their salary as well. So we never furloughed anybody. We had the nice 10% cut with the players that lasted four months and it's coming to an end. But we did not scale back our spending. We still have a lot of money, and I feel like we did everything right. We're going to come out ahead of this just looking sterling. It's a uh, testament to the leadership because also keep in mind, Chelsea didn't take advantage of any of the government programs, Mm -hmm. and a lot of clubs were embarrassed by that becoming public knowledge. This club understands that if they're spending money on the likes of Werner, the optics of furloughing workers um, and it coming at the expense of, you know, regular Joes, isn't great and they don't even open themselves up to that criticism because that might become a thing on twitter if if they were furloughing people who knows how long that becomes a talking point but the fact is that this club is so aware and genuinely cares about their workers that they don't even do that really speaks to just this being a true first class organization right now in the premier league oh yeah best owner in sports in my opinion all right here's my next question are you surprised Chelsea has decided to do a serious left turn on their previous modus operandi when it comes to the way they treat managers, transfers, and anything beyond really an 18-month plan. Because this seems totally different. We fire our managers every 18 months, and we seem to plug-and-play players. You know, if we have a boat that has a hole in it, we'll just try and plug that hole with a new player instead of having a more comprehensive, what you said, three-year plan. This seems different. It does seem different, but to be honest, it's felt different for a while. And now I think that they actually have the manager to go along with their new philosophy. I, I truly don't think that they wanted to get rid of Antonio Conte in the fashion that he did. But they had, <laughs> they, I mean, he was a bit of a saboteur towards the end. Thank you. Sorry. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Go on. I interrupted I think, you. <laughs> no, I think the same could be said for, for Maurizio Sarri, too. And ultimately, the talent of the youth bailed him out of a situation mm-hmm. because – in years past, guys like Maurizio Sarri probably would have been fired. I, I think that there was a tipping point already with the way that uh, Chelsea go about business with their managers. And, like, they were embroiled in a nasty lawsuit with Conte. There, a lot of managers are on the books. It's out of necessity. And now they finally have a manager that goes along with that. For Frank Lampard to actually commit to Chelsea, understanding their history and staring down the barrel of a two-week transfer ban, there had to be some sort of understanding. Yeah. And now we're starting to see a plan come through fruition. Remember, Frank Lampard was very frustrated. He was campaigning for a signing in the winter window, didn't get it. Chelsea are now making good because Timo Werner is absolutely a Frank Lampard signing. Timo Werner, you can make the argument as a most highly touted attacking transfer to come into the Premier League in quite some time. So yeah. this is this is a club rewarding his patience, and it finally feels like we don't have a manager at odds with ownership or the board. Everybody's working together. It's crucial, I think, to have Petr Cech in the position that he is in right now because he is a bridge from players to coaches to that board. 
it seems as though Chelsea have all their ducks in a row after pretty tumultuous stints with the uh, Italian manager. Yeah, yeah, you can say that again. Um, I feel as though this feels like a need and hazard signing. Like I have not felt this positive, this just jazzed about a signing since Eden Hazard. Um, so yeah, Timo Werner, a great signing. Another one I would say is Hakim Ziyech. Uh, I feel like Lampard wanted him in January, and I said, we're simply not doing that. We want to see out the rest of this window. I feel like Ziyech wanted to see out the rest of the season, and there was an agreement with Ajax that he would join Chelsea, but he had to finish what he started with his Amsterdam club. That's just my opinion. Um, but it worked out. It really did because Ziyech is such an interesting player as well. I mean, he was UEFA Champions League Team of the Year uh, last season. So he's no slouch either. What a what a player! Um, yeah, and you can't understate and you can't understate stealing these players from other clubs. Remember, Liverpool could have had Werner and decided to not pay the full release clause. <laughs> the gulf between a, a club like Chelsea and Liverpool probably widens a little bit if Werner goes to Liverpool. In fact, now you flip them and you're inching closer to the likes of Liverpool. Chelsea are well positioned, and uh, again. This is these are massive signings when you don't have Champions League guaranteed to you <laughs> next season. Um, if this season plays out and Chelsea enter the uh, the transfer market uh, in the traditional sense, and they're not inside that top four or maybe five, depending on what goes on with Man City, the, your chances of locking in Timo Werner dip tremendously. So to be able to lock up these commitments without having Champions League guaranteed is massive. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're putting a ring on it before uh, they're allowed to say no. It, it's it's tremendous stuff by Frankie and Peter Check and Marina. All right, so you mentioned that you're a keeper in uh, Miami Men's League. What is this? Is this eight v eight you got going on, or eleven v eleven? Well, it depends on how many people I uh, up the next morning without gotcha. being hungover. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we like seven v sevens so yeah so there's this consistent and heavy criticism online and in the media for our goalkeeper kepper aritha balaga now i believe unfairly that he is being blamed for how many goals we have conceded this season which by the way is an unhealthy and um unacceptable amount but that i think it's truly nonsense that one bla- player is being consistently blamed for the goals conceded it shows that the critic of that player doesn't know the genesis of where goals actually come from i consider uh, it to be bad team defense by Chelsea, and I consider it to be Lamps's tactics and him really prioritizing attacking over defense. So I don't think that it's Kepa's fault entirely. And do you think he's being scapegoated, or do you think he's being justifiably slated? Um, I, a mixture of both. Look, the, the save percentage stats are, are, are indeed damning. Bad. You can We can talk about continuity. We can talk about zonal marking. We can talk about injuries all we like. But when he has the opportunity to make a save, Kepa very rarely this season was spectacular. He, he flashed some spectacular moments towards the tail end of last season. And Chelsea probably don't win Europa League without him. I am encouraged by what we saw of Kepa uh, in, in the, the final matches leading up to the suspension of play, it did seem as though he rose to the challenge. But look, that needs to be figured out. Um, in his defense, as I mentioned, you can't um, really trust your back line if you don't know who's going to be back there. And Chelsea have had a load of injuries, a, a load of inconsistent play, a bunch of mental lapses that haven't helped the keeper out. You need a combination of things um, and... and 
hasn't been able to get that, but also when he's had these situations to step up and be spectacular and be someone that's been worthy of that price tag, the richest goalkeeper in the world, we haven't quite seen that yet. But I'm like you, I'm not ready to close the door on him. There are a lot of things about his game that I do like. There are a lot of obviously parts of, the, of his game that he needs to improve on. But um, I, I'm willing to see Kepa fight for his job with the remaining games that are left to play, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I think Frankie's got some serious ADD when it comes to picking his team, in particular his back four. He consistently changes it, and with that lack of continuity, uh, you just don't have familiarity, and you don't have chemistry that's inherent with your back four and your keeper. And last thing I'll say on Kepa, and I have just one more question because I know you have to go, but look, his contract is seven years, and Chelsea invested over $75 million with them. And Chelsea has taken some bad PR hits in the past with players. Morata is a perfect example. Bakayoko is a perfect example. I don't think Chelsea and the board and Marina are willing to just say, ah, I'm going to wash my hands of this player too. Eh, it didn't work out. No, no, no. The price tag's too high. The contract's too long. And even if Frankie doesn't like him, I feel like we're going to have to stick with Kappa regardless. Uh, it's funny. It's funny that your examples that you hold up were signings for managers that ultimately complained in the media that uh, that ownership and the and the board didn't have their back. Um, <laughs> Murata, I understand that uh, Conte wanted Lukaku over Murata, but he was given Bakayoko. He was given Murata. Sorry, was given the richest keeper ever. Um, Lampard is entitled to have the keeper of his choice. Yeah. Um, uh, as fans, I think Frank. Um, so far has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt. Chelsea may, if, if they do go to market right now with Kepa, I don't think he gets what they paid for him uh, in that buyout. Mm -hmm. um, they've done a bit of smart business on, on the other ends um, with, with some other of their sales that you might be able to rationalize taking a, a bit of a loss on Kepa. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uh, whatever the manager decides, I'll side with. And I haven't been fully on board with how he's handled the keeper situation uh, either. It's very clear that none of these guys are, are really Frank's first choice. Um, so we'll have to see if Kepa, honestly, I, I think it's in Kepa's hands. Uh, no yeah. pun intended. I, I, <laughs> oh, zing, Mike, zing. Yeah, well, not really. I'm not, I'm not particularly proud of it, but <laughs> if, if Kepa, if Kepa is the keeper that he was, say, against Tottenham outside of one mental lapse, it didn't really end up burning him. Yeah. I, I think Kepa stays because, because price tag, because of the bit of business that Chelsea are doing and Chelsea have been doing smart business yeah. and that wouldn't be particularly smart business um and when we talk about uh, an mo kelsey's recent mo has been smart business agreed all right my last question but before i do that i will say willie c he gives me ptsd my man that dude makes disastrous decisions at the most inopportune times all right so here's my last question for you and i'll let you go because you got to get to work do you feel agents and players speak out too often about contracts and often at the wrong times? I think about Paul Pogba and his agent and their relationship with Manchester United over the last 18 months. It has been beyond unhealthy. And I, I'm going to bring this to circle this back to Jorginho because I really like Jorginho, but I think that it's been a bad look for his agent to consistently be leaking ideas that Juventus wants to swap him with Pjanic and then Bernadeschi. And then Aaron Ramsey. And I feel like it's such a bad time to needle for a contract extension. And I wish that it had not gone down that way. 
Chelsea have been, if you look at the history of players that they've signed, they, they tend to choose not just their players wisely, but their players' representation wisely. It's always why I thought that there was a bit more smoke to the Philip Coutinho rumors yeah. um, than, than we led on. And you see right now with um, Werner and what's happened with uh, Havertz, the link to Michael Ballack. Chelsea know who they like to deal with in terms of um, the, the powerful agents that are out there. That being said about this specific case with Jorginho, I actually think this is working to Chelsea's benefit. Jorginho... At last we saw, there was considerable debate amongst Chelsea fans as to whether or not he was going to lose his job to Billy Gilmore. <laughs> Billy Gilmore coming off the of back-to-back. And look, I think Jorginho is a mighty fine player. I think he's misunderstood. I think he's very smart. Look, he's not athletically gifted. Mm-hmm. He's slow. And he tries to make up for uh, a lack of athleticism by making some – uh, fouls in the midfield that obviously come back to burn him. Look, he's serving presently the longest uh, suspension, I think, in cup history. Ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Jorginho, I, I've gotten to speak with him a little bit. Yeah. Um, his teammates love him. He is absolutely a team player. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that he was super thrilled for the likes of Billy Gilmore. You could do a lot worse. And – as we know, Chelsea have their eyes on a, on a bigger prize with this three-year plan. You're going to be happy to have the likes of Jorginho. Jorginho's had some good moments this season. Yes, he's had some bad ones. Yes, when he got marked, he didn't really know what to do with it last year. Um, but him being in demand, him being linked to these bigger clubs, him still having a value outside of Chelsea might be um, something that's beneficial to Chelsea as they try to sign, uh, sell players for inflated values. I yeah. think if Jorginho is highly touted back in Italy, this is a good thing to keep going and, and have in the public. But normally I side with you. I don't like that out there. We saw even with the Hazard stuff and Chelsea Ugh. and Eden handled that about as well as you you could uh, given the, the fairy tale ending, but it was still hanging over the club. This is not something that usually hangs over the club, but now they're dealing with it with Jorginho. And um, and also, quite honestly, with Tammy Abraham. There's another one. Yeah, Tammy with his contract. I was wondering why he was dragging his feet, why it wasn't getting done. And, you know, now the reports are out that Frankie and Petr Cech had met with Werner in February. So, yeah, uh, Werner's also a versatile player. Yes, he is, he is. He is. Yeah. You could foresee a situation with Werner playing on the left, sort of cutting him behind Tammy Abraham. Yeah. But Tammy Abraham... Last we saw, understanding he was battling through injuries, wasn't the player that we saw back at the beginning parts of the season. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to earn that contract to a degree. He hasn't really been challenged. Batshuayi botched opportunity after opportunity. But remember when we last saw Chelsea, the striker that you probably had the most trust in was Olivier Giroud. That's pretty telling. Um, and again, all fairness to Tammy Abraham, who, who, who's been battling through, he's been tough. And I think part of the problem is that maybe Chelsea threw him out there too soon after sustaining some of these injuries. Yeah. Um, but Tammy needs to rise to the challenge now because there isn't a transfer ban anymore. He's, he's got two years left on his deal. He's got transfer value. So it's time for him to put up or shut up. Um, and maybe he, he kind of regrets not extending uh, when he had the opportunity, considering the players that Chelsea are now bringing in. 100% agree. So my final thoughts would just be, 
I hope we do bring Kai Havertz in. If not, Saeed Benrama for 20 mil uh, is, a, is a very worthy alternative, although I don't think he's a starter. I will just say this. Any player that is feeling complacent, <clears throat> Callum Hudson, a doy. If you guys are going to go out the next six weeks and loaf it, you will be sitting on the bench in the fall. Mark my words. So my advice to all of you, when you see what Frank Lampard is doing, he's bringing in Ziyech, he's bringing in Werner, he might be bringing in Kai Havertz and Ben Chilwell. Y'all better, like you just said, put up a shut up because yeah. Frankie will play the best players. He you does have a not lot, care. You have a lot of youngsters that came up through the academy that got the taste of first-team football during a, a, a transfer window that was blocked – that had blocked Chelsea from making signings. Yeah. Christian Pulisic, in my conversations with him on Chelsea Mike Up, he absolutely gets it. Yeah. He knows what he signed up for when he signed up with Chelsea. He understands that every window, Chelsea are going to be linked at someone in his position. Hell, Chelsea have already signed people that can play his position. And he knows <laughs> yeah. to go out there and prove it and welcome the the, the, the competition. Callum Hudson and Doy, I, I again you have to extend these players a little bit of credit of fighting back through those injuries. And that is a very difficult injury, particularly for yeah. a player with Callum's skill set. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's getting a lot of money. And yeah. now he's getting a lot of competition. And quite frankly, we just haven't seen it from Callum. Uh, and um, you, you, you've ha- he hasn't exactly had the greatest uh, last few months here in terms of <laughs> catching coronavirus and ultimately being cleared uh, of, of allegations. But Cal yeah. Munson and Dory is another player that needs to answer the bell because now Chelsea are back in the market to sign players at that position. And he has value. He could be a nice chip. Remember there was talks of him considering Germany. Yeah. It seems as though Chelsea are only signing players from Germany. <laughs> so to be able to have Cal Munson and Dory that, that is locked up under contract, yeah. might be a, a transfer bargaining chip. And it might honestly be, a good thing for him, even though I'm not sure he has quite the pace for the Moodness League just yet, he might be better served to play somewhere else, whether it's a loan situation or or a nice inflated price. Um, mm-hmm. He might be better served to sort of fly away from the nest because he's young. There, There's a maturing that needs to happen to his game and possibly off the field, even though that's speculative and unfair to the kid. Um, but like everybody that was an academy product that was given the opportunity – you got to fight for it now. I'm with you 100%. And we'll see uh, how he handles uh, the fall because it is not going to be easy. All right. And I will just say, I love Christian Pulisic. I think he's a starter, no doubt. Uh, hopefully he takes it in stride and still just crushes the summer training camp and gets it going. But hey, uh, Miguel, I sincerely appreciate you giving me the time. I know you got to go. You got a show to prep for. Uh, you were an unbelievable get and an unbelievable guest, dude. Thank you. You are welcome back anytime, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. And uh, this has been the London is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Carlito. See you guys. I'm not fucking leaving. thank Mike Ryan for coming on with me earlier this morning. He's an extremely busy man. Just had a new child. 
He's involved in four or five different podcasts, as well as the Libertad Show, which is the biggest sports radio show in the entire country. He was very gracious, and the stuff that he talked about and what he relayed to me was very strong, very informative, and I am a smarter fan because of having him on. So I just wanted to say thank you again, Mike. That was great, and we will definitely have you on again when you have the time. Paul, how are you, bud? We are shifting gears to the second portion of our podcast that deals with the Aston Villa game. So, how are you? Mahalo, Carlito, and thank you again, Mike. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, The dude did not have to do it, but he did, and it was really great. So, let's just jump right in, Paul. What do we have on the docket? Coming right up this weekend, Chelsea Villa. We're back at it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's a Sunday game, all right? We've all been off for three and a half months. We've been allowed over the past three to four weeks to dust off that rust. That's right. Some of the stuff that I've seen in training, whether it be pictures or really quick uh, snippets on YouTube or Twitter video, they look like they're busting their ass, Paul. They really do. They better be. And I will say – the absolute thrashing they gave QPR is another good sign. Yeah, that's indicative because QPR is still a decent team, and we gave them the business. Now, I got to say, two bright lights. Go right ahead. Tell me, what were those two bright lights in that game? Well, it would be Billy Gilmore, a.k.a. Billy Big Wheels, a.k.a. The Jesus. Oh, yeah, a.k.a. Billy Two-Step. That's right. And then Ruben, the Loftus Cheek himself, both with two goals each and a 6 1 thrashing. Actually, I think it was 7. 7 1 thrashing. Yeah, man. So we got Ruben Loftus Cheek, fucking Lazarus himself, back from the dead, ready to go. <laughs> he's, got, he's got that fresh, you know, lineup. Oh, yeah. You know, he does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great and, hair. And, right and dude, dude, dude. Black people totally prioritize the lineup of the forehead. And his looks so incredible. Like my hair, it looks like shit. But his, <laughs> it looks so great. And, and he is you can't ready. teach that. You can't, you can't teach that. You can't teach that. You just can't teach that, dude. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing Ruben play and get some prem minutes. Yeah. I think this break probably hasn't benefited anybody more than him because it gives him really a preseason to come in and play at that attacking center mid position that we have been sorely missing him at this season. Yeah. And one of the great things about him is the versatility. He could play D mid if he wanted to, he could play box to box if he wanted to, for goodness sake. I mean, he, he, he played plays, winger for yeah. the palace for a bit. Yeah. And goals. he, Went under uh, the Don Mauricio Sari, aka Joe Camel. He uh, <laughs> he he played a little bit of wing there too. So yeah, I mean we could even throw him up a striker. The guy is just um, oh my god, he's so malleable. He's so versatile. Yeah. Yeah. You know he is he is a swift Swiss Army knife player. But really, where we want him in is in the hole in that creator spot. 
Whether right. it's on the left or the right, if we're playing a single pivot, we got two guys in front of the pivot. I'm good with that too. Doesn't have to just be the ACM. It can be two of them at the same time. But the idea that Ruben is back in this team, and yeah. my father hasn't even been able to see him play once. Yeah. Oh, Dougie Fresh is in for a treat because Ruben oh. is so delicious, so great. That's right. We're all in for a treat, and I just let's stay healthy. You know, I don't want to baby him at this point, but yeah, let's call it what it is. This is the biggest game of the season. Yeah. And well, explain to me why it's the biggest game of the season. Well, <laughs> let's take a gander at the standings here, shall we? Yep. So, currently, we sit fourth mm-hmm. with 48 points. United, 45 points right on our tail. They're in mm-hmm. fifth. Wolves, 43. Sheffield, 43. Sheffield has only played 28 games. Spurs, 41 points, 29 mm-hmm. games. So, I mean, you look at this match, and yes, it is Aston Villa. They are currently in 19th place. Mm-hmm. We should once again smash them. But um, Tottenham and United play each other this weekend. Yeah. And let's just say that even though Aston Villa has lost the last five games of their Premier League campaign, it literally means nothing because – that's right. This is England, and any game in England is a uh, flip of the coin. It's a toss-up. You know, you look at Bayern Munich winning their eighth Bundesliga in a row. Uh, that's not a league. That's a hegemony. That is <laughs> one team and then 50 feet of shit. And then there's Dortmund, and then there's a mile of shit. Maybe a Mochen Gladbach, a couple Leverkusen's. <laughs> And then there's everybody else. Yeah. It's Bayern and then Bayern. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. not a league, man. That's not a league. That's Bill Russell's Celtics. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a shame. But we also, you know, everybody just had a, a preseason. Everybody's going to be coming back hungry. Yeah. I expect everybody to be, you know, basically ready to put their best foot forward no matter what position they are in the table. And um, mm-hmm. Villa's only two points back of being clear of relegation, so they're Correct. definitely highly mo- motivated. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and they're – I mean, you could say that they're in the same position as us just inversely, right? Yeah. Because we need top four. They need out of bottom three. Uh, yep. So <laughs> don't get it twisted. Uh, Jack Grealish. For all the spray tan, you know. <laughs> Hair gel. And, and all those popcorn <laughs> muscles that, that he got from doing extra push-ups in the summer. I'll tell you what, he's going to come and he's going to bring the business, no doubt about it. And yeah. we need to be up for it because when he's up for it, he's actually a, an animal to try and contain. He's a very, very good player. And he will not be at Villa next year. Mark my words. Yeah, player we both like. Love, love Jackie. Love him. Now, right. so now um, we have United and Spurs playing each other. Who you got in that? Uh, Spurs, just because we need it. 
Yeah. I, I, Jose, he's going to get the job done. Hey, so I got to ask you, I mean, Kane, Son, all those guys, they're all good to go, right? Good question. I don't know for certain. Kane is definitely good to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I believe Son is as well. Well, you never know with Son. He could be suspended for another red card infraction. I mean, that's just kind of part of his modus operandi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're both they're both healthy. So, yeah, uh, Spurs team is going to be looking very different than they were. And, you know, another huge benefit for them. Yeah. But Hey, hey I, wanted, I wanted to give a shout-out to Marcus Rashford today. Um, he had this initiative – where he wrote to Parliament to extend uh, lower-income students' lunches through the summer because uh, I believe that they were being taken away. And so he wrote to Parliament, and he got it reversed. So all these kids are going to get to have lunch in the summer when before they, they weren't going to be able to. I thought that that was really cool. And that's a really um, uh, industrious, effective, and uh, altruistic way to use social media for something that um, I think is very cool. You had uh, everyone from Roma to Man City to Man United to uh, you know a lot of other European giants giving him a shout out personally today yeah. in football Twitter because of it. So I thought that was really cool by Rashford. He's uh, clearly a good dude on top of being a great footballer that I think a lot of just football fans in general really, really like. So, Yeah, using his platform for the right, right things. You've got to respect it. Now, we have a full team to pick from tomorrow. Frankie's right. got his hands full. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see happening? So we all know that – and I am stealing this line from Mike Ryan, but he said that Jorginho is uh, facing the longest FA Cup suspension in the history of the tournament because <laughs> he's still suspended. Uh, so we will be without our Brazilian slash Italian regista. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the way I see it playing out. Um, we're obviously going to go with Kepa. And anybody that thinks the Kappa is going to be sold in the summer, he's not. Shut up. Move on. 17-year-old Chelsea Twitter, I don't want to hear from you. All right, so we're going to go with Kappa. We're going to go with Reese James. We're going to go with AC. Mm-hmm. We're going to go with the Rudy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go with Emerson. All right? D-mid, Regista, whatever the hell you want to call it. We're going to go with Mateo Kovacic. Um, people are going to say it's Billy Gilmore. It's not going to be Billy Gilmore because you're asking Billy Gilmore to be the last person before the back four when Jack Grealish breaks the lines. Billy Gilmore will not be able to defend Jack Grealish. Okay. Get over it. Anybody that doesn't agree with me, Billy Gilmore is five, six. Jack Grealish is six, one. So, I'm sorry. There's a profound disparity between body types as well. Billy Gilmore probably weighs 150 pounds. Jack Grealish is pushing 170. Guy is beefy. He's great. And he is very motivated to get uh, out of Aston Villa. So, I'm going to go with Kovacic at D-mid. Attacking mids, I'm going to go with Ross Barkley. 
and I'm going to go with Ruben Loftus Cheek. That is very attacking. Boss. The boss. boss. Yes, I'm going with Lebos. And we got we got Ruby Cheek. We all love the Ruby Cheek. On the wings, Willie N. Christian Pulisic, for sure. Kyle Matsudoi will not be starting. He's had some uh, extracurricular activities that have taken the spotlight off of everything that Chelsea has done very well during the pandemic, getting back into training. Now, look, he's been exonerated by the police, which is great. It nonetheless was a distraction. So Frankie Mm -hmm. will... He probably well, he, punish him a little bit for it. I don't know, but he had a little ankle knock. Apparently, he also had that. So, and yeah. he should he should be in contention. But yeah, I don't expect him to start. And then up top, uh, we're gonna go with Mishi. Psych. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. We're going. Oh my god, we're going with Tammy Abraham. <laughs> All right. I like it. Yeah. Um, How about you? I agree pretty much completely. I just, I think we'll probably see uh, Mason Mount in there mm-hmm. for either Boss or Loftus Cheek. Mm-hmm. Probably Loftus Cheek, I would imagine. Uh, and I would think Dave would be in there somewhere, but I have been seeing Emerson has been getting a lot of time practicing with the first team. So maybe not. Well, it's really a wait and see, but I'm going to stand by my lineup, whether Frankie agrees with me or not. Yeah. Regardless, I'll text him the morning of the game. Be like, Hey Frankie, here's, here's what we're going to do. And if he agrees, he'll text me back. If he doesn't, he'll give me the high. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. What's what's next on the docket, my man? Now, last time we played Villa, mm-hmm. December 4th, 2019. Tyrone Mings. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, goals. Mm-hmm. Trezeguet scored for them. Mm. Um, pretty dominant from us. Possession 65%, 25 shots, nine shots on target, nine corners. You know, pretty dominant. Uh, but nevertheless, inefficient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of been the story of the season, you mm-hmm. know. Statistically dominant, but scoreline 2-1. Well, here's the thing, and this is, again, something that I uh, previously stated to Mike in the first segment was, look, we just bought Hakeem Zeus. Hakeem Zeus is going to start for this mm-hmm. team. We just bought Timo Werner. Timo Werner is going to start for this team. Mm-hmm. Where they are going to start is entirely dependent on how our front, not just three, but basically five, if we play two, two ACMs or one ACM plus the front three, what between what of our – uh, it depends on what our front four to five do over the next six weeks. Absolutely. Even then, I think Frank has seen enough where he's made these moves mm-hmm. for you know very particular reasons with a plan in mind. Mm-hmm. But I agree that these guys are going to be very motivated to play well and let's say finish their chances. Yeah. 
But if they become millennials and feel entitled to their positions, which I don't think they will, like I don't see Tammy Abraham or Pulisic really acting like that. Certainly not Mason Mount. But at the same time, you never know how they're going to respond to us buying two of the most exciting players in Europe, one entering his prime and one at the beginning of his prime. Right. Um, so for me, I don't know how they're going to react to it on the pitch, but if they don't react in an extremely explosive fire under your ass type way, they will suffer the consequences in the fall season. Yep. No question about it. And not to mention, uh, like we said, the whole team's healthy. So Frankie's got plenty of, plenty of players to pick from if you're not performing he's not going to wait around for you yeah and the elephant in the room is what if we also go and buy Kai Havertz let's talk about it <laughs> so uh Bayer Leverkusen been there for 12 years guys born and bred in German football absolute uh, stud 21 years old very versatile player plays across the front line and across the front of a midfield triangle. He is tall. He is fast. He is fluid. He's got some ruby cheek in him, but he's got a little more attack than ruby cheek's got. Uh, this dude is an all-action performer. He is the new version of what Timo Werner was two years ago when he was the new hot shit in Germany, right? Timo mm-hmm. Werner's now 24. He's now becoming a seasoned player Unbelievable, and he's going to be playing for us, which is just a bonus, a beautiful <laughs> bonus. Kai Havertz, the new big thing coming out of the Bundesliga. And his coach has come out this week and said, we know that he wants to move on. And obviously one of, if not the most aggressive club associated with the pursuit of Kai Havertz is Chelsea, no doubt. Yeah, um, we have been the most often linked to him, and with very good reason. As Which of we'll, late, as, as of, of late, late. Yeah. yeah, as of late, and it will just continue to compound as the season progresses, especially if players that are going to be here next year do not perform. Right. Absolutely, and. <clears throat> As we've been talking about, we need a striker. We need wingers. This guy can do both, Mm -hmm. similar to Werner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just keep bringing in these guys that can do multiple things at multiple positions. And uh, it's really exciting. And really just the world of possibilities for Frank is, it's endless. Well, I mean, how is a team ever going to be able to plan for us? No, how exactly. Is a, how is a manager and his staff, because don't kid yourself, a manager always gets with his staff to prepare a game plan. How are they ever going to be able to properly guess how we're going to line up, how we're going to play, what formation, and who is in one spot? When well, we that, have so many versatile players. They're not going to be in one spot. That's the beauty of it. You could yeah. put you could put Werner, Havertz, and Ziyech across the top three, and they're all just moving all over the field. You, mm-hmm. you, you, there's nobody, you know, you can't man mark. 
Oh yeah, the fluidity and malleability of essentially the entire front six is just incredibly enticing. Yeah. And I am here for all of it. Absolutely. So what mm-hmm. what you got for Villa? Four zero. Woo. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a tasty scoreline, Carlito. I'm going three zero. Mm-hmm. Now we've had our troubles defensively, but mm-hmm. we finish our chances. It's the best off the best defense we have. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like that uh that Kobe meme pass, just get the rebound. <laughs> it's like it's like uh defend, just score more goals. Yeah, well, I mean we're gonna address it in the summer. Ben Chilwell, Nico Tags, uh Alex Deas, um there's a couple others that we're linked with, but those are the big three for left back. I actually do not think we were buying any other defenders, but left back seems to be something that Frank Lampard wants to address. And he has made it very, very obvious that what he's got right now is insufficient. Yeah. Well, it's sufficient for Villa. I expect the W. And as we said, biggest game of the season because mm-hmm. of the possible swing in points. Uh, from United and Spurs. Yeah, we could go from one game ahead of United to tied or two games ahead of United. Yep. It's a very, very big weekend for Chelsea. Just hopping right back into it. Uh, I'm, I am so excited. I don't, but I am also so scared. Like, I just... I don't want anything to happen where it gets taken away from me. Yeah. And and I know that the first game is tomorrow <laughs> for the Premier League restart. I just don't want some extra act of God to get in the way of my <laughs> feel good and my Chelsea obsession. Well, it's not going to go according to plan for, <laughs> no. for probably anybody, but definitely, you know, a lot of these clubs, uh, let's just hope we are on the ascension. Just keep your eye on the ball, boys. Keep your eye on the ball. That's not really all I got for today, man. It was a great interview with Mike, and I'm really looking forward to the Villa game. All right. We'll post-match it up. Hell yeah, buddy. We've got Bomani Jones's producer of the right time with Bomani Jones. His name is Gabe Bassain. He'll be joining us for the Villa post game. Uh, once again, shout out to Mike Ryan for a really, really, really strong uh, guest appearance on the interview section of our podcast this week. We thank him and we look forward to the game this weekend. All right, Paul, any final thoughts or are you good? Up the blues. Up the blues, baby. Cheers.